Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, it's great to see you today. I want to welcome you to Blue Ridge Church, whether you're here in person, whether you're streaming with us. It's always great to have you. If this is your first time here, we really mean what we say in that welcome video. Just relax. We're not going to do anything crazy or single yet or make you introduce yourself or anything like that. But I'm going to try to bring you up to speed real quick about this series that we're in called Cloud Nine. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at the book of Philippians, which really was a letter. It was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote while he was in prison to the church in Philippi, thanking them for their financial support uh, of his ministry, thanking them for everything that they had done. And in this letter, really, there's there's qualities that we can pick up that are going to bring us joy and happiness in our life. No matter what's going on, no matter what we're facing, how we can have joy and happiness. And so what we've been learning in this series is that we can't make joy the goal of our life or happiness the goal of our life because we'll become self-centered, we'll become selfish, we make life all about us if we put it on the front end and we make it the goal. But if we'll do the things that the Lord tells us to do and shows us to do, if we'll do some of these qualities that we're learning in this series, then the byproduct is going to be joy and happiness in our life. So we live our life a certain way and the end result is joy and happiness. And so each week we've been looking at different things that we find in this letter that we can do in our lives. So I don't want to waste any time today. I want to jump right into chapter 3 of Philippians. And I want you just to notice how this starts out. In the very first verse, Paul says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. So he says, by and large, you need to rejoice in the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you look up the definition of the word rejoice, it means to feel or show great joy. To feel or show great joy, in other words, to the Lord for what the Lord has done for us. In other words, show great joy to the Lord for his grace, for his love, right? Just rejoice in that is what Paul's saying, or relax in that, if you will. And if you think about God's grace and God's love, A lot of times that's really hard for us to understand. It's a hard concept for us to grasp, but God's grace and God's love, it's free. It's the only thing really that's free. It doesn't cost us anything. We don't have to do anything to earn it or uh, to work for it. God just gives us his grace and he loves us unconditionally. We say that a lot around here. You hear people say that in society, unconditional love. But that's a really difficult concept to understand. That means God loves you as much right now as he's ever going to love you. Think about that for a minute. You can't do anything to make him love you any more or love you any less. He loves you as much right now today as he did five years ago, 10 years ago. Doesn't matter what was going on in your life. Doesn't matter what was happening. That's what unconditional love is. And the opposite of this, if we don't rejoice in the Lord, if we don't rejoice and relax in his grace and his love and the assurance that he loves us and that he gives us his grace, we're going to be miserable. 
really, if you think about it, if you think you have to earn God's approval or if you have to work for God's approval or prove your worth to God, you're never going to have joy. That's a miserable existence. And so Paul's saying, just enjoy it. Just get it through your head that God loves you and he's full of grace and enjoy that. Rejoice in that. Philippians 3, 3, for we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. In other words, we don't have to earn our way to heaven. We're going to rejoice in what the Lord has already done for us through Christ. We don't have to work our way to heaven. We don't have to prove that we're good enough to get to heaven or we can obey enough to get to heaven. It's simply by God's grace. And that's the point as Paul starts out this third chapter that he's trying to get through because one of the things that'll take away our joy quicker than anything is thinking that we've got to earn our way and that we got to work our way. The, the, the proper term, or I guess the popular term for that is legalism. You ever heard that? Legalism. You know, people become very legalistic. Legalism robs us of joy. Legalism says, I've got to earn it. Legalism says, I'm going to trust what I do and how I perform and how I act instead of what Christ has already done. You know anybody uh, that's legalistic? Sure, we all do. Uh, And it says, hey, if I can keep the rules, if I can follow the guidelines, if I can not make very many mistakes, then God's going to grade me on a curve. And he's going to let me into heaven. That's essentially what legalism is. And Paul, who wrote this letter, was incredibly legalistic before he met Jesus. And he tells us about it in verses 4 through 6. Paul says, Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Paul says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Paul is saying, hey, I, I was pretty good at the religious thing. He's saying, I was Jewish. I was, I was born Jewish. I was a religious leader. I was, uh, I was a uh, Pharisee. I followed all the rules. I followed the Ten Commandments. I even was able to follow most of the laws and rules and regulations that we, the religious leaders, put into place and the things that we came up with. Paul's basically saying, hey, I was pretty good. I I was a pretty good man from religious standards. He was legalistic through and through before he met Jesus. Well, what does a legalistic person look like today? Same exact thing they looked like in Jesus's day. Legalistic people tend to be pretty judgmental of other people. They, They tend to be pretty harsh on other people. And a favorite thing of somebody who's a legalistic to do is to point out other people's faults or to point out other people's sins or point out other people's mistakes without ever addressing their own, right? If I direct 
attention on your problems and your faults, and those are sins I don't struggle with, I don't have to deal with my own issues. So you think about it like that, you probably know some people who are pretty judgmental. And the sad truth is all throughout the world, there's a lot of people that are judgmental that are sitting in churches all over the place. Lots of churches are full of legalistic people. That's why some of you quit going to church. That's why some of you watching gave up on church for so many years. You just couldn't live up to it. I did a funeral a couple weeks ago, and it was a funeral, and a lot of the people at the funeral did not go to church. They were not regular church attenders. And, you know, sometimes when you're at a funeral, you think about your own mortality, right? We know death is inevitable. We know it's a path that we have to take. So at a funeral, there's a heightened awareness, if you will, of people of their own death. And, and a lot of times people do that, uh, you know, that evaluation of where they're at on the spiritual journey. And lo and behold, I'll be talking to people like at the visitation. And they're like, man, I need to get back in church. And it wasn't even here. The funeral wasn't even here in this area. Like, I got to get back into church. I haven't been to church in a long time. And when I started pulling and prying and figuring out why, it was sad to hear the reasons that people don't go to church. Well, they don't approve of where I work. Or they don't like the person that I'm dating. Or they're more concerned with what I'm wearing than who I am as a person. And you know, you hear these things and you read these things, but then when you hear them firsthand from people that have experienced it, it will break your heart. It'll break your heart. And I thought about it. These people will never fully understand God's love and God's grace if that's what they're always seeing as somehow this is the model for Christ. This is who Jesus is. And the truth is, and what Paul's trying to tell us here, there's no joy in legalism, right? When he found Christ, he realized that's not the way it should be. And I thought, you know, if churches would just give out more of what Paul's telling us to rejoice in, Right? Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in His grace and love. If we gave out more grace and love and less judgment and less condemnation and, and we do less finger pointing, churches would be full everywhere. So how do you know as an individual if you're living by grace and you're living by love? How do we even know as a church if we're living by grace and we're living by love? And, and the truth is if we're living by grace we're gracious to other people. We're loving to other people. We're forgiving of other people. Grateful people, gracious people, they forgive, don't they? They cut people slack. Why? Because they've been forgiven. They themselves have been forgiven. But I think what Paul is showing us here is legalism. It just robs us of joy. There's no joy in legalistic people. There's no joy in legalistic churches. A lot of times in a legalistic church, people are there because of pressure right? They're, they're there because of shame or they're there be, because of guilt. And I think that's why Paul wants us instead, instead of focusing all that, rejoice in the Lord. Focus on what he's already done for you. Focus on his grace and focus on his love. That will bring us joy. So our very first learning, learning number one, every day I need to remind myself of God's grace. Every single day. 
Philippians 3, 9, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. That's what Paul's saying. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. In other words, none of us are worthy. None of us are good enough without Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. In other words, I'm going to get the smile of God on my life when I accept Jesus. That's what he wants me to do. I need to accept what Jesus has already done for me. I can't do anything on my own. So we should wake up every day and say, hey, God, you know what? I'm going to remind myself today that I'm forgiven. I'm going to remind myself today that you love me. No matter what's happened the day before or the week before, we should remind ourselves of that every single day. And then Paul said this in Philippians 3, 7, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. All those things he used to pursue, his old way of life, the things that he thought were going to bring him joy and the things he thought were going to bring him happiness, he realized those things don't matter. And I think that's kind of a picture for us. We should focus on the things that matter the most. In life, we should focus on the things that matter the most. Often, I find myself not focusing on things that matter the most. I I let the little things in life get to me and steal my joy. Has that ever happened to you? You know, your day could be going great, and then all of a sudden, one little thing happens, and you get angry, and, and it steals all the joy out of your life. Like your mobile order wasn't ready when you went to pick up your coffee. Don't judge me. This has happened to you, too right? Or you, you look in the mirror and you're having a bad hair day. Or you don't like the way your clothes fit or you don't like the way your body fits. Or the car wouldn't start or, or something else went wrong. It's those little things that absolutely tear us up. And what Paul's saying is those things don't matter. Focus on the most important things. What's the most important thing? And it's knowing Jesus. So if we want to be joyful, I think we got to remember really what matters most and what really counts. Now, I know not everybody watching or everybody here says, I've got a relationship with Jesus. A lot of you don't know where you're at on the spiritual journey. You're investigating, you're checking it out, you're asking questions, and I think that's wise. I think that's incredibly wise. But those of you that would say, yeah, Scott, I follow Christ. I have a relationship with Jesus. Ask yourself this question. What was the most important thing to you before you knew Jesus? For Paul, it was following those rules, man. It was that legalism. I'm going to be the best religious leader that I can possibly be. What was it for you? Maybe it was making money. Maybe it was having financial security or it was getting a date for some of you, or getting married, or settling down, or, or whatever. But Paul says all those things, when compared to knowing Christ, they don't matter. They're just not that significant, yet we spend so much time, energy, and effort on them, we lose our joy, and we lose our happiness. People will ask me too, you know, how do I know my life's being changed by Christ? I invited Jesus into my life. How do I know my life is being changed? Listen, when your values change and your priorities change and what's important to you changes, then you know your life is being changed by Christ. You cannot allow somebody as big as Jesus into your life 
and some things are going to change. Right? That's how you know. Culture will tell you differently. Culture will say that's not the most important thing. You know the latest news story. That's the most important thing. Or the hottest political hot button. That's the most important thing. Or the newest car, the the nicest apartment. Whatever. All those things, the immediate and, and the important, they're not necessarily the most important things. That's why we mentioned last week we should always be asking ourselves, is what I'm investing in, is what I'm worrying about, is what I'm spending all my thought life on, is it worth it? Is it going to matter five years from now or ten years from now? Is it even going to matter tomorrow? And Paul said, after knowing Christ, all those other things kind of went by the wayside. Not that they're not good things and things maybe that we're going to do. They're just not the most important thing. Philippians 3.8 says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus is my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. See, and the absolute most important thing is Christ. And everything else falls by the wayside. Everything else is lesser. So what Paul was saying is, after I became a Christian... After I began that relationship with Christ, I stopped doing the religious thing. And I started doing the relationship thing. And listen, once we start the relationship with Christ, we need to get to know Christ. We need to get to know Christ better. Even if you've been following Jesus forever, it's never too late to get to know him better. See, we were made to be in a relationship with God through Jesus. And the better you know somebody in a relationship, the better that relationship's going to be, right? The more that relationship's going to grow. So learning number two, joy is found in our lives when we know Christ better. Guaranteed. We get to know Christ better. The byproduct, the end result is going to be more happiness and joy in our life. Paul figured this out. Philippians 3, 10 and 11, he said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. What's he saying? I want to fully know Christ. Listen, you know a lot about people. I know a lot about people. We may know a lot about the president, or we may know a lot about the football coach at Virginia Tech, or we may know a lot about Warren Buffett or Bill Gates, but we don't know those people, right? We know a lot about them, we just don't know them because we don't spend time with them. I know my wife. I know my children. I know my family. Why? Because I have a relationship with them and I spend time with them. On our relationship with Christ, we have to spend time with him, like we're doing right now. We have to spend time with him to get to know him, right? If we want our relationship with Christ to grow, we got to invest in that relationship. I'll talk about something that you all understand, money. If you want your money to grow, what do you have to do with it? You have to invest it. I know not all investments grow. Maybe I need that little disclaimer, you know. Not all investments are safe, blah, blah, blah. 
But if you bury your money in a mason jar in your front yard, it's guaranteed not to grow, right? But if you put it in an an investment, it has a chance to grow. It's the same with our relationship with Christ. If we invest in that relationship, guess what? That relationship's going to grow. Same with your marriage. The good marriages are the marriages where the couple invest in the marriage. When you invest in the marriage, it grows. When you invest in a friendship, it grows. And you know what the number one thing is that keeps us from growing our relationship with Christ? It's busyness. It's busyness. We get too busy. To get to know Jesus better, we're going to have to spend time with him. Like we're doing today, but not a lot of time. You don't have to invest a ton of time, but you have to invest some time. Spend 10 minutes a day with him. Carve out 10 minutes of your day to to spend with Christ, to get to know Christ better. And I guarantee you that focused time will make all the difference in the world in that relationship and grow in that relationship. Here's some wisdom from the book of Psalms, Psalm 4610. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What are the key words there? Be still. Now, I don't know about you, but those are terrifying words for me. I have a problem being still. But when we're still, we can hear from the Lord. When we're still, we get the assurance that the Lord is with us. And he says, you're going to know that I'm God if you will simply be still. So if we'll spend a few minutes each day with God, reflecting and remembering his grace and his love that we talked about earlier, that relationship we have with him is going to grow. And you know what we're going to see when we spend time with God? We're going to see areas of our life that we need to grow. We all want to be better. We all want to grow more like Christ. We just need to ask him, hey, what do I need to work on? What do I need to work on, God? Where, where are my weaknesses? Where, where do you want me to, to be stronger? That's why David said in Psalm 139, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. We should ask God regularly, hey, God, where are the areas that I need to grow? You know what it's going to take to ask God to show you your faults and the things you need to work on, it's going to take humility, right? But we've already established in the series when we're humble, it leads to joy. See, following Jesus, it's a decision. And then uh, after that, there's a process we need to follow for the rest of our life. We have to spend time with him if we want that relationship to grow. There's a lot of people who have invited Jesus. They've made a decision to follow Jesus. They've invited him into their lives. They just haven't continued the process. They just haven't continued by spending time with him. There's people that have invited Jesus into their heart, and that's great, and that's awesome, and that's the first step, but they're not growing. So we have to invest some time for that relationship to grow. And then as that relationship's growing, we need to ask God, where do you want me to grow? So the things he shows us, for example, even in this series that we can do, we need to do those things. That's how we're going to grow. The things he shows us when we spend time with him, we need to make those changes. 
and we're going to grow. And that relationship's going to grow. Philippians 3, 12 through 13. Paul said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. That's an amazing verse. Think about where Paul's at in his life. He's older. He's more towards the end of his journey than the beginning of his journey. He's, he's in prison. He's incredibly mature. He's learned a lot about Christ. He started a lot of churches. He's starting to write a lot of the New Testament. Yet he says, I have not arrived. I haven't achieved it. Now, if anybody had reason to brag about where they were at on the spiritual journey or or to say, hey, I've arrived spiritually, it would have been Paul. But he's got enough humility and a got a good enough hold on where he's at to know he still has more to learn about Christ. Pride, which is the opposite of humility, is going to be the thing that keeps us from growing. Because prideful people pretend they already know all the answers. They already know all the questions to arrive at all the answers. But humility says, I haven't arrived. I still have something to learn. So learning number three, we have to remain teachable all throughout life. Humble people continue to learn. That's what we're seeing here in Paul. Humble people never stop growing. They never stop growing as individuals. They never stop growing in that relationship with Christ. Humble people continue to stretch their faith so they can grow even more. That's why I think we always should be asking ourselves questions. We ask God what areas of our life we need to grow, but hey, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better dad? How can I be a better mom? How can I be a better friend? How can I be a better employer or employee? So we rejoice in the Lord. We remember his grace. We remember his love. That's going to lead to joy and happiness. And then we make it our number one goal to get to know Christ better. I'm not just going to have this relationship. I'm going to invest in it so that it grows. And then we ask God those areas of our life. Where can I personally grow? What is it that I need to be working on. Listen, the secret to growth as individuals is just being honest with ourselves, being honest about where we're at and where we need to go. That's what Paul said. Listen to how he said it to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Test yourselves to make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence Not mere hearsay that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. That's saying we should just test ourselves regularly. We should give ourselves a regular exam to see how we're doing in life, to see how we're doing on that spiritual journey. We should ask ourselves those tough questions. And if you find an area of your life, which you will, that you're not doing very well, change it. Paul's saying do something about it. But the key thing he said earlier, and I want to read part of that verse in the next verse right now, verses 13 and 14. He said, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past 
and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ, Jesus is calling us. So what can we learn from that? Learning number four, every day I need to dismiss what can't be changed and focus on the future. How hard is that to forget the past? It's pretty difficult. But this is a habit that leads us to happiness and joy. Every day we have to forget what can't be changed and focus on the future and focus on what lies ahead. You know, so many of us, we get caught in our past. We can't focus on our past. Our past is our past. And no amount of worry, no amount of anxiety is ever going to change our past. It's done. We did a series regarding our past about seven years ago. We're, we're going to do something like that in the future because it's such, uh, it's, it cripples us when we can't move past the past. Some of the things that will help us to kind of move past our past, maybe we have some hurts and some pain. Maybe we brought that pain on ourselves or somebody else caused that pain, but eventually we got to let go of the pain caused by that hurt. Nobody's going to force us to let it go. No, nobody's going to twist our arm, but we have to if we're ever going to have joy or some semblance of joy. We can't do both. We can't hold on to the pain and have joy at the same time. The other thing is regrets. We've all got regrets. Are there things I wish I wouldn't have done? Yes. Are there things I wish I wouldn't have said in life? Of course. Things I wish I would have stood up and said? Yes. We all have regrets. But if we only focus on our regrets, I wish, you know, our wouldas and our shouldas and our couldas, we're going to stay in the past. So we got to learn to let go of the pain. we got to learn to let go of uh, the regrets. Again, we can't change it. It's in the past. No amount of emotion is going to change our past. And then we got to start working towards practicing forgiveness in life. You know, I talk about that a lot, but we got to forgive people that have, that have hurt us or done things to us or said things to us. And we also have to forgive ourselves for the pain that we've caused in other people's lives, the things we've done to others. The only person that we tend to really hurt with our unforgiveness is ourselves or holding on to our hurt or our pain or our regrets is ourselves. Do, do people deserve our forgiveness? No. No. For the things that have happened, they don't deserve our forgiveness, but we didn't deserve forgiveness either. Right? And that's the only way we're ever able to forgive us because Christ forgave us. Doesn't mean you have to trust again. Doesn't mean it's not a, a memory, a painful memory, but you have to start that process. All these things we've talked about in this series, and quite frankly, we talk about every Sunday, often it requires change, doesn't it? It requires us to change something in our life. How many people like change? Not very many. We don't like change. Change can be difficult, can't it? Change can be painful. We avoid change at all costs, but the things that Christ says that we need to change in our life, it's going to lead to joy. I think about, this week I thought about the changes 
just that I've seen in 10 years in this church and the changes we've had to make. When we were in the middle school, we started in Christiansburg Middle School. One service, 250, 275 people coming. It was comfortable. It was easy. It was awesome. And there was a lot of people that didn't want to change. But then more kids started coming with their parents, and we ran out of kid space really quick. And so we rented out both of the gymnasiums, and we threw kids in there. Well, we didn't throw them in there, but you know what I mean. And, uh, and then we had to split them up into different classrooms. Okay, no longer K through fifth. Now we got K through second and third through fifth, and your kid's not here anymore. Your kid's over there. And, you know, parents were kind of confused. It was change. And then more people started coming, so we threw open the side doors in the auditorium, and people were sitting way back in the cafeteria looking through into the auditorium to hear. It was a change. I don't want to sit way back here. It was uncomfortable for people. Then we went to two services and said, hey, we're just kidding. We're not just going to have a 10 o'clock. We're going to have a 9, 30, and an 11. Another change. And we'd shuffle the kids some more, and then finally we realized we got we to get out of the middle school. And so we leased part of this building. The, the kids' area today was the whole church, 17,000 square feet, and that was another change. Now you're not coming to the middle school anymore. You're coming over here. Then we shuffled the kids around some more, and then we got the building, and then we, we had to move the auditorium over here and add more kids' classrooms, change after change. Then, oh, no, you can't park there because there's no parking. you got to park in the field, or you got to park over here. And I think about all of that change. What if we'd have said, and there were people that didn't want to change, what if we'd have said, we're not changing? We're going to stay right here in the middle school, one service, we're going to be comfortable. Well, I know there'd be some people that wouldn't be heading to heaven when they leave this earth if we'd have made that decision. And there have been people like me that wouldn't have grown in their faith by stretching my faith for all the changes we had to make. But we made them. Were they painful? Yes. Did they lead to growth? Yes. Did they lead to happiness and joy in our life because God was using us? Yes. All these changes we're talking about, they're going to be uncomfortable. Some of them are going to be uncomfortable, especially getting past our past. But they're changes we have to make. If we want to have joy and we want to have happiness in our life, it will be worth it. That's what Paul's trying to tell us. All the changes, and if it's a change where you haven't had Christ and you invite Christ into your life, he's saying it's going to be worth it. So we, we rest in God's grace and love. We rejoice in what the Lord has done for us. We make it a priority to get to know Jesus better. We carve out a little bit of time to spend with him. Every day we corporately spend time with him at church once a week, but we make the effort to spend time with him. And then we ask him, where do I need to grow? God, what is it I need to work on this week? He'll show you, right? And then you get that done, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. And then he's like, man, Scott, you're a total screw up in this area. You need to work on that. But we grow that way. We become more like Christ that way. And we forge ahead we got to not focus so much time, effort, and energy on the past, and we got to look forward to today and the future. Because if we're still here, guess what? God's not done with us. I'll close with Isaiah 43, 18, and 19. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. God's words. Forget the past. Move forward. Make the changes we need to make. Let's pray together. God, Hey, we want to be able to relax and rest in your grace and love every day. 
Lord, help us to get it out of our minds that we have to earn or work for our salvation. Help us to realize that you truly love us unconditionally and that your grace is free. All we have to do is ask for it. You sent your son for that very reason so that we could be forgiven. Maybe you're here today or watching today and you've never said yes to Christ. Why don't you make that decision? Paul said all the other things were worthless once he found Christ. God, help us to focus each day on what matters most. And that's our relationship with you. Help us to see those things in our life that you want us to change. And then give us the strength and the courage to take the steps to change them. Lord, help us to get to know you better. To become like you, knowing that we're never going to reach it. But that should be our goal, to have your character. Every day, help us to be a little bit better. God, thank you so much for this church and these people. Lord, and the churches in our community that are willing to make the changes necessary to reach the people that you want to reach. God, we're just your instrument to be used for your kingdom. And I thank you for the changes that you've pushed us to do over the past 10 years. And Lord, help us to have a willing heart to make the changes we got to make in the next 10. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick, couple of things. Growth group signups start today for our summer growth groups. So make sure you go to our website, Blue Ridge Church, hit connect, and then look at the groups, or you can do it through that app that's on your phone, the Church Center app. And, and I encourage you this summer, connect in a group. You will grow, your relationship with Christ will grow, but you'll meet people on a smaller level uh, that you can connect with. Today is Move Up Sunday. You know what that means? It means kids that are aging up, they're going to switch classrooms, and the ice cream truck is here. I mean, what's better than ice cream, right? Especially on a hot day, on a Sunday. So if you've got kids, even if you don't have kids and you want ice cream, you stop by there and say, hey, Scott said I could have an ice cream. And you get yourself, Kim's going to kill me, you get yourself <laughs> a, an ice cream. But just a way of recognizing our kids that are aging up, we, uh, we like to do that and spoil them a little bit. So make sure you enjoy that on your way out. I hope you have a terrific Sunday, a great week. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for your support of this church, especially in these uncertain times. We couldn't do it without you. God bless you guys.